Join me in praying. Father, you're an awesome God. And you're a God that loves your people. And we've come into this house, Lord, with hearts that are hungry and hearts that are thirsty. And we're saying, Lord, come and fill us again. Lord, pour into our lives that which we need today. Lord, may we not leave this place as we came, but may we be different because of who you are and because of what you want to do. We thank you for this wonderful occasion. I know your word is anointed, Lord, but I ask that you anoint me, that as I speak your word, I will speak it with liberty and I'll speak it with freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. I make no apology this morning that I'm firstly a born-again believer. Fifty years ago, next year, I gave my heart to the Lord. How many people are older than 50 in this room? But if you're not 50, I've been a Christian longer than you've been alive. But I make no apology for who I am. And I make no apology for what I say. The God that I talk about is a God that I love. And I have a passion for Him. And I say without hesitation this morning, if you don't know Christ as I know Him, get to know Him. Your life will never be the same. See, I never became a Christian until I was 26. I, I'd known about God, I'd heard about God, but I didn't know Him until I was 26. But I was in a meeting one day, and I'd been invited there by people that knew God better than I did. And I went along because it was the thing to do, or I thought it was the thing to do. But during the course of the meeting, and even as I heard pastors speak before, an invitation was given for people to respond. And, you know, I'd been in churches where invitations be given, but I'd never responded. But that night, and it was an evening, I responded. Pastor, if I tell quickly this story, it's not to take up too much time. But we're in a church where I just want to check something out. Yeah. I was in a church where all the chairs were loose chairs. They weren't these interlocking chairs. And I was sitting down the back of the building. and. They gave an invitation to come to the altar for prayer. I only made one mistake. I forgot to come out into the aisle. I simply ran through all the chairs. <laughs> chairs went this way and chairs went this way. And I found myself standing at the front of the church as a 26-year-old man. But I wasn't standing there just as a man. I was standing there crying like a baby. I didn't know why I was crying, but I was crying. Because there was something inside me that said, I needed to know Jesus. I needed to believe in Christ. I needed to accept him. I'd heard about God for 26 years, but I'd never met him. And it could be this morning that you're in this building and you've heard about God for years. But it's not about hearing about God. It's about knowing God. Amen. See, this is what church is all about. It's connecting hearts of men to God's heart. And to this morning, that's what we are looking to do in this place. I don't want you to look at me and be connected to me. I want you to be connected to God. Because when you're connected to God, things begin to happen. And your life will change. That night, 50 years ago, almost, 
They led me in a little prayer, and it was a very simple prayer. My prayer was like this. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I thank you for dying for me. And I ask that you come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive my sin and help me to be the person you want me to be. That was my prayer. And that simple prayer changed my life. It's not a matter about joining a church. It's a matter about connecting to God. And if you're not connected to God this morning, then let me tell you, please get connected to God. Get connected to God. I could not do, I could not be, I could not go. I could not achieve what I achieve without that connection. If you are trying to live without a connection with God, then I'm telling you, your life will become impossible. It will be impossible. It'll be hot and cold, cold and hot. I don't live like that. I live with a sense of purpose. I live with a sense of destiny. I mean, I know he was not being unkind to me, but this year I celebrated my 75th birthday. Yahoo! I'm looking out there at the people that are much younger than me and you all look tired. I say, why are you tired? <laughs> See, when you get God inside you, tiredness leaves you. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundant. See, some people, that all they want is a little bit more life so they can live. I don't want to just live. I want to live abundantly. I want to live in a measure of God's provision for me. So I'm not here this morning just to tickle your ears. If you want entertainment, go down the road and find a picture theater and watch a film. If you're coming to this place, I trust you come here to be challenged. Because if I don't challenge you, then I'm not doing my job. And I mean that without being disrespectful. If I'm not challenging you, if you are, if you are not provoked in my words this morning, then I've not done my job. See, I haven't come here to make you feel good. I'm not here to make you feel comfortable. I'm not here to make you feel a little bit better than you did yesterday. See, if all you want to do is feel a bit better than yesterday, suck a lolly. <laughs> suck a lolly and you'll feel better than yesterday. I'm not here to give you a temporary fix. I'm giving you a makeover. I want to see lives transformed. I want to see men and women engaging with God in such a way that their lives are changed. I stood over here this morning unbeknownst to the people in the circle that were with me. And people began to pray. Two people prayed something that I believe is relevant to my word this morning. A word that was used by two different people was the word encounter. I don't know what you've come to do this morning, but I challenge you to have an encounter with God today. Have an encounter with God. See, if you don't have an encounter with God today, the truth is you will leave this building the same as you came in. Now, some of you don't like me talking like this. I know it. I can see it on your faces. Stop frowning. Start smiling. I'm not coming in to hurt you. I've come to heal you. I've come to set you free. I'll tell you what, whoo, Pastor, I would love to have a spray bomb full of happiness and go around spraying in front of all you people. You know, the Bible says things like this. The joy of the Lord is your what? <laughs> would you be interested in some strength like that? 
The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If you've got strength, you'll declare your strength. Is the joy of the Lord? It's my strength. Oh, that's, that's better. Good man. That's a little bit better. Before I'm finished, you'll be running up and down the aisle. The joy of the Lord is my strength. As I said, I haven't come to entertain. I've come to provoke you. I'm tired of tired Christians. I'm tired of tired Christians. I'm tired of people who say they're a believer and a Christian and their life looks miserable. We are not meant to be the most miserable people in the world. We're meant to be the happiest people in the world. I want to use scripture today to provoke you to be a different person before you leave. I, I, I don't know who you are, sir, but do you want to be different before you leave? He's almost convinced. Do you want to be different before you leave? Yes. I'm looking for some older people. Do you want to leave different, sir, today? Yes. I'm, well, that's a bit more positive. Do you want to hear leave a different, sir? Yes. He's almost sounding convincing. Do you want to leave here different? Yes. Okay. What about you, sir? Do you want to leave different? You are going to leave different. Good lad. Good lad. I don't want to leave church this morning the same as I came. Now, let's come to the scripture. Let's go to the Bible. It's good to start there, pastor. The Bible's a good place to start. Let's go to Luke chapter 8. We're going to have some scriptures come on the screen. I'm going to read this passage, and then I'm going to break it down for you this morning, and then we're going to do some other things. In verse 26 of Luke 8 says this, They sailed to the region of Gethsemane, which is in the cross the lake of Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes. Neither had he lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell on his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me? Let's get the story true to start with. Here is Jesus turning up in a place, a graveyard. There's a man in this graveyard who's been living naked, living out of his mind for some time. Jesus turns up and this man, out of that state that he was in, cries out, What do you want to do with me? God this morning is standing in this church saying to you and saying to me, what are you willing to let me do with you today? What are you willing to let me do with you today? See, if you've come to church with your agenda, then your agenda will be completed because your agenda rules what will happen. But if you're willing to put aside your agenda and say, God, what is your agenda for me today? Things can be different. This man said, what do you want with me, son of the most high? I beg you, don't torture me. He thought that Jesus was there to harm him. But Jesus is not here to harm. Jesus is here to heal. Some of you aren't too excited about that. Jesus is here to heal. Jesus is here to heal. Jesus is here to heal. 
Verse 29, for Jesus commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times he had been seized, though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard. He broke the chains and was driven by the demons into a solitary place. Jesus asked the man, what is your name? Legend, he replied, because many demons have gone into him. They begged him repeatedly, do not order us to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside and demons begged Jesus, let us go into them, that is the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd ran down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those that were tending the sheep saw what had happened. They ran off and reported this to the townspeople. Now the story, if it stopped there, is an amazing story already. Here is a man captured and tormented by demons, millions, or not millions, but thousands of demons. He has an encounter with God. That's the word this morning, encounter. He had an encounter with Jesus. And because of an encounter, he was delivered of thousands of demons on one occasion. Jesus didn't deal with them one at a time. He dealt with them a thousand at a time. Yeah. Some of us have got this attitude, oh God, fix my little problem. God hasn't come to fix your little problems. He's come to fix your life. Yeah. Do you want your problems fixed, sister? God's not here to fix problems. He's here to fix your life. Are you willing to let God fix your life? See, this is it. So often we, we believe for so little, we get little. I believe it's time for us to believe for bigger things. I don't want my life to be patched up. I want my life to be fixed. I want my life to be made new and complete. I want my life to be made whole. You know, when you go to a doctor, do you go to the doctor with a shopping list? Oh, doctor. I'm sick all over, but just fix my eye. You don't talk like that to the doctor. You say to the doctor, I want to be well. And your expectation is when you go to the doctor, he will prescribe that which is needed for you to be well completely. I don't want to be patched up, brother. I want to be fixed up. I want to be sorted out. I want to be straightened out. I want to be mended. I want to be corrected. I want to be adjusted. I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. I don't want to be a patched up person. I want to be a whole person. See, until you and I believe that we can be whole, we'll never be whole. And God wants to make people whole. Now listen to what happened. This is what happens when an encounter with God takes place. Here is this man. He's got thousands of demons. Jesus speaks to them and commands them to leave. The demons leave. And the people step back and go, wow, we never thought that could happen. Now listen to the outcome. This is what we need to grab hold to this morning. Verse 35, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, here was a cynical crowd of people, this unbelieving group of people, these people who had seen this demonic man do what he'd done for many years. They tried to bind him up with chains and they couldn't bind him up with chains. But when they came out on this occasion, something was different. Because of an encounter with God. Listen to what happened. When they came out to find Jesus and this man who was demon possessed. They found this very same man. Listen to what it says. Sitting at the feet of Jesus and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Wow. 
If that doesn't excite you this morning, I don't know what will excite you. That excites me. You know, young lady, if God can take a man who is troubled by thousands of demons and set him free, that his mind becomes perfect and he's healed sitting at the feet of Jesus, what else does you want from that? What else do you want? So I asked myself the question for your church this morning, Pastor. I want to give you four things that should be evident of an encounter with God. Don't tell me you've had an encounter with God if you don't have these four things happening in your life. Listen to the four things, and I quote them to you this morning. Firstly, the first thing that will happen is you will relocate yourself to the feet of Jesus. When you have an encounter with God, go down in humility. The Bible says God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Some of us, and I mean some of us, the problem is never with God. The problem is with us because we have pride in our hearts that stop us responding to God. Even this morning, pastors given the invitation for people to receive Christ in this meeting. I tell you to you this morning, don't let pride keep you in your seat. If you need to receive Christ this morning, then be willing to say, I need Christ. 50 years ago, one day I stood up and put up my hand in public and in front of people with tears in my eyes. And I said, I need Jesus. See, if you're going to let pride keep you from the promises of God, then I feel sorry for you. This man, he was found at the feet of Jesus. This morning I asked this question, do you feel like you're at the feet of Jesus? You ought to feel like you are. I often find myself in church, and I'm not doing this to elevate myself. Often when it comes to praise and worship, I feel like I have to kneel. Because I realize that I'm only here by the grace of God. This morning, you are only here by the grace of God. Do you know what, my brother? Even the next breath you take is in God's hands. God could take that breath from you, and your life would cease to exist. We must never take our life for granted. And some of you are taking your life for granted. You think you've got all the time in the world to do whatever you like, when you like, and how you like. I tell you this morning, you don't have all the time. Your life is fragile. The Bible said it's like a vapor in the hands of God. And if God was pulled the breath out of your body, you would cease to exist. You don't exist because you're big and strong and you have all this ability and all this money in the bank. You only exist by the grace of God. And if God withdrew his grace, you would disappear. And so would I. I'm not an angry person this morning, but I'm passionate about what I believe in. I'm passionate about what I believe in. I believe the story that I have is a story worth telling. If you don't have a story like this, you need to get a story like this. See, otherwise, all you are is a survivor. I want to survive. I don't want to survive. I want to live. Get your life right with God. Do it God's way, not your own. I make no apology of talking like this. The Bible says you will know the truth and it will set you free. This man had an encounter with God and he was set free. You want to be free of fear? You want to be free of anxiety? You want to be free of you know, troubling in the minds and confusion? You want to be free? You can be. I'm not here telling you empty promises. I'm telling you promises based on the word of God. God can do it. God can do it. Firstly, he was found at the feet of Jesus. Secondly, listen to this. This is his story, not mine. It said he was found dressed. 
Here was a man that ran around naked, but here was this man now dressed. I asked myself this question, Pastor, give me a theological answer. Where did he get his clothes from? Let me tell you, I believe God provided them supernaturally. The Bible doesn't say that, but I believe it can happen. The Bible tells me that God created the heavens and the earth, and he clothed the garments in the people in the garden. So if God could put garments on somebody in the Garden of Eden, God could put garments on this man. This man had been naked. I'm glad that you people aren't running around Melbourne naked. (laughs) Physically you're not, but maybe spiritually you are. God doesn't want you to run around naked. He wants to clothe you. The Bible says, put on the garments of righteousness. It's not your garments, it's his garments. This morning I'm fully dressed. Not just because I'm wearing these. Because I'm wearing something greater inside me. This man was fully dressed. I ask you this morning, are you spiritually fully dressed? I'm not talking about the outside of your body. I'm talking about the spiritual part of it. Are you dressed correctly this morning? If you were to die, this is the challenge. If you were to die, could you walk into the presence of God and know you would be accepted? Would you know you're going to be accepted? I believe I do. I have no fear of death. I don't want to die. I want to live a long, long time. I asked the congregation recently, how old do you be? Want to be? One guy said, oh, I want to be 87. I thought, boy, I'm nearly dead. <laughs> I'm not nearly dead. I'm just starting to live. Yeah. I'm just starting to live. This man was fully dressed. That night when I gave my heart to Jesus, I say this, the truth of my experience, Pastor. If you'd said to me five minutes before, Pastor Alec, well, I wasn't a pastor then, but if you said, Alec, do you feel unclean? I would have said, no, I don't. And yet once I gave my heart to the Lord, I realized how dirty I was. And the only one that cleaned me, sister, was not me. It was Jesus cleansed me. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Don't you start be full of pride this morning and say, that's not me. Yes, it is you. You're a sinner saved by grace if you're saved. You're not in this meeting by any great success of your own life. You're only here by the grace of God, by the goodness of God, by the mercy of God. You three people are getting baptized this morning. I'm excited for you. Yeah, come on. Woo! You know, sometimes when I baptize people, I feel like jumping on them and pushing them really right down. Because the Bible says when we're buried with Christ, we shall rise with him. We shall rise with him. Listen to what Paul said. I speak to you once again. This is what Paul said. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in me, he will quicken my mortal body. Yeah, come on. When you come up out of the water this morning, I expect you to come out with wings. (laughs) You're not going to come out as mortal people anymore. You're going to come out as different people. The third thing this morning, what was the third condition? This man was now in his right mind. If this man who had been troubled by demons can be in a state where his mind is right, what's the excuse that you have for your mind not to be right this morning? Why should your mind be a battlefield for the devil? If God can set the captives free and free up the mind of a man who has been troubled by multiple demons, what's your excuse not to have a good mind this morning? The Bible says, let this mind be in you, that which is in Christ Jesus, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
Young man, when you and I struggle over things in our minds, it's not God's weakness, it's our weakness. And all we've got to do is say, God, renew my mind. And you need to pray that prayer more often than you do. Amen? Get your mind sorted out, young man. Don't let your mind defeat you. You're meant to be stronger than your mind. Amen? God wants to give his people a new mind. Yes, I'm 75, but I'm not going to live like a 75-year-old. I'm not going to live like that. If you want to live like that, you do it, but I'm not going to live like that because I've made up my mind to be different. See, this man was in his right mind. Are you in your right mind? I don't hope my mind is good. I know my mind is good. If you've got any doubt as to where your mind is this morning, ask God to give you a new mind. God doesn't want to just patch up your mind with a hope so. It's got to come to an oh so. Paul said these words, I know whom I believed in, and I am persuaded that which I've committed unto him, he will keep for me. You've got to be convinced. You have to be convinced that you believe what you believe. I believe what I believe. I'm not growling at you. I'm particularly trying to urge you to another level of faith this morning because your believing will determine what you believe. If you don't believe, you only believe this big, that's as much as your faith will be. It's time for your faith to get like this big. Yeah. Little faith, little believing. This man was in his right mind. Wow. You want a bit of that this morning? Yeah. Do you want to have a right mind this morning, sir? I challenge you, don't ever get behind that thing without a right mind. If your mind is not in the right place, don't get up there. You don't deserve to be up there. You have no right to be up there unless your mind has been changed. I'm sorry, but I speak this because it's true. You're not here as an entertainer. You're here as a ministry. And when you minister, your mind better be in the right place because if you're up there thinking about lunch, stop playing. You get back and have some lunch. <laughs> Let those that can worship do it. I'm sorry, but this is, this is how important this stuff is to me. It's important. The fourth thing. Listen to what happened. Here was a man who had been demon-possessed. And these people had chained him and roped him and done all kinds of things. And when they came and found him changed, what happened? They all got scared. Many of you are living in fear of non-believers. I've got nothing to fear from non-believers. My God is bigger than any non-believer. You've sung some songs this morning. I heard you sing them. Don't sing them if you don't believe them. If your God is not bigger than the people you're surrounded by, your God is pretty small. This man, he went from being the one that was tormented and just put under curses they became afraid of him. This morning, people say to me, and some of you might have heard me say, that people come to me and say, Pastor Alec, how are you? Ask me the question, brother. Alec, how are you? I'm dangerous. <laughs> Ask me the question, sir. How are you, I'm dangerous. <laughs> Do you know why I'm dangerous, sir? When I woke up this morning, the devil got scared. When you wake up this morning, did the devil get scared? He should have. Because if you have been truly had an encounter with God, the devil will be scared of you. Oh, oh, the devil's after me. If you're scared of the devil this morning, you don't need to be. 
The Christ you say you believe in has conquered him 2,000 years ago. You are not a victim. You are a victor. You are a conqueror. We sing songs like, greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. You better start believing what you speak. Don't call yourself a Christian if you're not going to act like one. It's not a label that will get you into heaven. It's a heart that's changed that will get you into heaven. Did you hear that? It's not a label that will get you to heaven. Oh, I go to church. Get it, coming to church won't get you to heaven. It's having an encounter with God that will get you to heaven. This man had an encounter with God and his life was changed. So brother, when you tell me you have an encounter with God, I'll ask you some questions. I said, did it reposition you? If an encounter with God doesn't reposition you, you haven't had an encounter with God. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm only telling you Bible. I'm not telling you Pastor Alex's story or Pastor's story. I'm telling you God's story. If your encounter with God doesn't shift you positionally, you haven't had an encounter with God. Anytime you read your Bible, anytime people had an encounter with God, their lives were shifted. And God wants to shift some lives in this place today. I'll tell you one story. I'm a storyteller, but I'll tell one story. Several years ago, I had the privilege of going to India. I'm in a large gathering, maybe four or five hundred people. And I'm preaching and teaching like I am today or sharing like I am today. With probably just as much passion as I have today. At the end of the service, we gave a general altar call and people came and we prayed for the people generally. When it was all finished, I must admit physically, I'd been there for two and a half weeks and doing lots and lots of meetings. And I remember sitting down at the front, waiting for my ride back to my hotel, just like this. The meeting was over as far as I thought and I understood. Through the crowd of people came this little Indian pastor. He was only stood about this tall and he walked up to me and he said, Pastor Alec, Will you pray for one more person? I felt like saying no. I'll be honest, I was tired. I felt like saying no. But when he asked me, he said, with such compassion, he said, I got one more person I'd like you to pray for. And I said, okay, I will happily to do that for you. So he took me by the hand. He led me right down the back of the building. I'm sitting on another chair at the back of the building. He goes off into the crowd of people. This is a true story, Pastor. I'm not exaggerating. Through the crowd of people, this man walks back towards me, bringing with him a little Indian lady. She stood about this high. With her was a little girl that would have been about 11 or 12, and another little girl, 8 or 9. This mother bringing her two children came up to me. I couldn't speak their language. I, I apologize. I, I wish I could speak your language, but I can't. My language is English, and I don't even speak that very well. <laughs> but anyway... Through the interpreter, I said to this, through this pastor, I said to the lady, oh, I said, is this the lady you want me to pray for? And he said, yes. I said, is she a Christian? So he turned to the lady and spoke to her just like this. I'm still sitting there, brother. He asked her the question in her, his language, to her language, are you a Christian? And she shook her head. She said, no, I'm not. So we understand this. Here she is in a Christian meeting. I'm a Christian pastor. I'm preaching a Christian message about a God of the Bible. And this lady's in this meeting. And so I asked the question. I said, how come she's in this meeting? Somebody had rung her up on the telephone to come to this meeting. They said that there was a man who would pray for the sick. And so th this lady was invited to come. And I said, how far did she come? Truly, I'm not exaggerating. This is the truth. 
she said she had come with her two children six hours by bus to be in the meeting. This is a non-believing lady, a non-believer. She had hopped on a bus, come six hours with her two children. So my next question was this, how much did that cost her? He said it cost her six weeks wages. When was the last time it took you six hours to get to church and cost you six weeks wages to come here? I don't think any of you have paid anything like that this morning. There's nobody charging you when you come in the door, unless you didn't tell me. <laughs> None of you had to pay to come here. But this lady had spent six weeks wages to come there. Six hours on a bus. And the reality was when the meeting was over, she was going to have to catch a bus home again. So with this being the truth of the story, brother, I said to the pastor, I said, what is it this woman wants me to pray for? Again, he spoke to her in her language. It was only at that point, dear lady, can I, if I focus on you for a moment, it's not to embarrass you. This young woman, this mother, turned to the oldest of her two daughters and lifted up her dress. Her dresses were right to the ground. You couldn't see their feet. The mother lifted up the dress, not indecently, modestly, and lifted her dress to the, to the knees. When he lifted up the dress, I saw the little girl's legs beneath the dress. And again, I have no reason to exaggerate. I tell you the truth. What I saw began to almost make me cry immediately. This little girl, when she was born, was born with a displaced leg. Her right leg was perfectly normal, just like this. Her left leg was completely reversed. So this little girl had lived for 12 years of her life walking like that because of the displacement of her hip. And I'm sitting there and I'm almost in tears. I thought, how could, how could a child and a mother live with this like this for so long? But here she is presenting herself to me to pray for her. And I'd made God a promise before I left my country of New Zealand that when I went to India, I would pray with my eyes open. And the reason I said that is because God, I said, I'm tired of hearing about miracles. I want to see some. And so here I am being confronted with this little girl like this. And I'm thinking, God, why wasn't it just a headache? <laughs> I, I thought I had enough faith for a headache that day. <laughs> oh, God, heal the headache. If you'd had a headache, I would have prayed for you easily and quickly. But this wasn't a headache. This was something big, big. And I'm looking at myself and I'm thinking, God, I'm so tired, physically tired, and I just want to go back home to New Zealand and rest my body and have a rest in my heart. And yet, God, you brought this little girl in front of me and I can't heal her, God, but I believe you can. And so I said to the little pastor, I said, join me. I thought I needed all the help I could get. We laid our hands on that little girl. I don't exaggerate. This was the simplicity of my prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe you love this little girl. Not because she's a Christian, but because you love her. Just because of who she is. This little girl needs a miracle, God, but you're a God that can work miracles. So I'm asking for you to touch her and heal her. So I'm looking at this with these eyes. These eyes were looking at it. And I don't exaggerate. I'm watching these two legs and I'm seeing them like this and I thought, God, I can't do nothing, only you can. And as I prayed that prayer, I began to see that leg turn and turn and turn and turn and turn till finally things. You're perfect. 
Thank you, sir. I tell you that story because some of you think you've got some problems. Let me tell you, your problems are nothing to God. All you've got to do is be willing to trust God. Here's an unbelieving woman who is willing out of desperation to reach out to God. I mean, when she said to me she wasn't a Christian, I said to her, I picked up my Bible and I said to this lady through the interpreter, lady, when I pray for you, you've got to understand, I'm not praying to one of the gods of India, and there's about 20,000 of them. I'm praying to the God of this book. If there's a God I'm talking about this morning, you find him in this book. This is the book you find him in. If you're not opening this book regularly, you're not doing your job. This is where you'll get to know God in this book. I love this book with a passion. I have a goal that I read this book at least once a year from cover to cover. How often do you read it? Have you got a challenge to yourself how much you'll read of it each year? I made it a goal, sister, to read this book at least once a year. My best year is one year I read it three times from cover to cover. And some of you say you love God and you don't even open this book. Don't tell me you love God if you don't open this book. Don't tell me you love God unless you pray. Don't tell me you love God if you can't worship. God is the Spirit and they that worship Him must, must, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. This man who had an encounter with God, his life was changed. And if you had an encounter with God, your life will be different too. Are you ready for an encounter?